This is C-SPAN's The Weekly for January 4th, 2019. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. The new year brings to Washington a familiar face to the job of speaker. Nancy Pelosi becomes the first House member since Sam Rayburn back in 1955 to hold the position, lose the majority, then regain the majority in a subsequent Congress to become speaker once again. If the gentlewoman from California would please raise her right hand, which you're doing, do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you're about to enter, so help you God. I do. Congratulations, Madam Speaker. On C-SPAN's The Weekly, a look ahead at the new 116th Congress. Issues lawmakers will be addressing, including the possibility of impeachment proceedings against President Trump, the Mueller report, new faces to watch, and the congressional calendar. Our conversation with Bob Cusack. He is the editor-in-chief of The Hill newspaper and TheHill.com on what to look for in the year ahead in the House and in the U.S. Senate. So, Mr. President, as we begin this new Congress together, one fact is abundantly clear. The American people need Democrats and Republicans to work together. Today illustrates that very point. Last November, voters expanded our Republican majority here in the Senate, but ensure that 60 votes will only be attainable by working across the aisle. A new Congress in this new year, all ahead on C-SPAN's The Weekly. Bob Cusack with Leader Pelosi, now Speaker Pelosi. What's her biggest challenge? What is she facing among the Democrats and with this new Congress? Her biggest challenge is to really appease, I think, the left wing of her party, which in a large part is the reason why Democrats won back the House. But she also has to get things done. So one of the biggest challenges for her is that you're going to have multiple candidates, probably dozens of Democrats running for president in 2020, And they're not going to be fond of doing any deal-making with President Trump. But Nancy Pelosi, as Speaker, in two years, she's going to have to say, listen, we got X and Y done, uh, and it was signed into law, and that's why you should re-elect a new House—re-elect House Democrats again. So, but but the 2020 pressure, and those candidates are going to be pressuring her not to do deals with President Trump. So, now, Nancy Pelosi has been in this— spot before. She worked with uh, George W. Bush as Speaker in 2007 and 2008, got some things done. Um, but now the the politics is very different and it's more volatile. So basically you have the House now in control of the Democrats, the White House and the Senate in control of the Republicans. Will the Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell want to deal with Nancy Pelosi? I think on some issues, yes. I think that Mitch McConnell has certainly pushed through uh, partisan bills like the the tax cut bill. Um, But is he interested in some type of deal on infrastructure? Yes. His wife is uh, the secretary of transportation. Um, But he has said he doesn't want to pass another stimulus. So there's going to have to be a lot of negotiation and compromise. But that's one area where I think that the parties could come together. Another one certainly that that Nancy Pelosi is going to be pushing is uh, prescription drug pricing and getting uh, the price of pharmaceuticals down. 
Uh, that could be more contentious, certainly, in the Republican-led Senate. Uh, so I, I do think that Mitch McConnell and Pelosi, they're dealmakers. Uh, they respect one another. They haven't had to really deal with each other in, when when she was speaker and, and, and he in the position that he is now. So that's going to be a relationship to watch, it's very different than, than their prior. Obviously, they've been leaders for a long time, but now they're in primary roles. It seems like the one issue there could be agreement on is infrastructure. You mentioned that with uh, the transportation secretary. Was it a mistake for Donald Trump not to begin his administration with that issue? I, I think you can make a very good case that that was a mistake, and certainly he had a Republican Congress, and he was under pressure to move uh, health care and getting rid of Obamacare. We know that 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 did not go well for the Republican Party. Um, but the tone is set, certainly, in the first 100 days. We saw that with President Obama, too. A lot of people saying that maybe he should have worked more in a bipartisan fashion. However, he also had a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate. So under pressure from their own party to move bills that really didn't need Democratic support. Uh, and it used to be, as you know, Steve, that in, in the 1990s, if you're going to pass sweeping uh, bills like the Balanced Budget Act of 1997, which made major changes to both budget law and Medicare law, it had to be bipartisan. Now we're seeing a different era where Democrats pass something like the Affordable Care Act without any Republican votes, and then Republicans pass tax cuts without any Democratic votes. I want to come back to that issue in, in just a moment, but we have talked so often over the last three to four years of the problems that uh, John Boehner is the House Speaker and Paul Ryan is Speaker for the last three years faced in terms of the Tea Party movement within the GOP. So let's talk about that for just a moment. Where is the Tea Party wing of the House Republican Party? They're still there. They're still there in the Freedom Caucus and other conservatives in the House. Uh, we recently wrote a story looking at how the Republican Party, especially in the House, is going to try to unify. Now, it's a lot easier to be unified when you're in the minority, as as House Republicans now are, um, but still they're fractured. They're, they're fractured of, of what to do, let's say, on transportation. Let's say President Trump wants to get something done, uh, but it would blow a hole in the deficit. Well, certainly Freedom Caucus members are, are not going to support something like that. And and I've talked to a couple of these members saying, well, listen, you got to be worried that President Trump is going to strike deals with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. And they said, well, we're we're going to have to call him a lot. Where does Kevin McCarthy, uh, the new Republican leader in the House, where does he stand? He has a good relationship with Trump, but there could be situations, and that's what that's what I, smart majorities divide the other party. So I think that Democrats certainly, uh, in the first few weeks of their majority in the House, they're going to try to divide the Republican Party on a number of fronts. With Kevin McCarthy as the minority leader and the Republicans now in the minority in the House of Representatives, we saw during a couple of these pro forma sessions between Christmas and New Year's where the uh, Democrats like Jim McGovern wanted to speak. His bill was shut down almost immediately. And so are House Republicans in for a rude awakening? Yes, they are. Uh, many of the House Republicans have never served in a, in a minority. And if you talk to any member, they always say it's much more fun to be in the majority than than the minority. Uh, the House is adopting new rules. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is saying they're going to be more open to amendments. But at the same time, uh, what the Speaker wants is what she will get. And you don't have to run the House in a very open fashion. Uh, the Senate's totally different rules. So I, I do think that for the House Republicans, it's it's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough couple of years. Uh, they are obviously putting their game plan of winning back the 
the majority, um, but still, even winning back the majority in a couple of years is a, is a tall order. And conversely, for now Speaker Nancy Pelosi, what issues will she face? We touched on this just a moment ago among the, the liberal wing of the House Democratic Conference. One of the things when she took over in 2007 as Speaker that we were watching uh, is how she was going to handle the committee chairman. You remember you had some some old bulls. You had Charlie Rangel. You had Henry Waxman. Um, you had powerful John Conyers. You had powerful committee chairman. Uh, and, and one of, I think, the bellwethers of her success was that she was able to absolutely control those committee chairmen, and she was able to direct policy. Now, this time she's not as powerful. Um, certainly, uh, there it's a different era, but she's done well to get back the speaker gavel. But I think she's going to have to yield more power to the committee chairman uh, and to the wishes of of the left wing uh, party. Uh, it's going to be a tough balancing act for her. Um, but you know, she's this is not her first rodeo. She's been she's been doing this for a while. She's a very shrewd legislator. The Hill, among the publications, writing about the relationship between President Trump and Nancy Pelosi, and it does seem to be a genuinely warm relationship. Yes, at least right now. At least for now, Steve. Uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Because remember, at some point, Nancy Pelosi is going to have to make a decision, along with her colleagues, of whether they will move forward with any impeachment proceedings. And and maybe that's part of the reason President Trump is being nice to her. Uh, he hasn't really given her nicknames or mocked her like he has his, his rivals. Um, but certainly, he wants a good working relationship with, with Nancy Pelosi to get stuff done. President Trump likes to sign bills into law, just like all presidents. So he likes those ceremonies, and if he has to work with Democrats to get some stuff done, I think he will do it. It just depends on what the issue is. However, if uh, Robert Mueller is advising that uh, this is that Democrats are, in so many words, saying maybe you should consider impeachment, I think that would poison the relationship entirely. And and again, when you have all these 2020 Democratic candidates, many of them will want to move forward with with impeachment. It, it's it's also worth noting that people forget, you know, President Clinton was impeached, but it has to go to the Senate, uh, where you've got to get two thirds of the Senate uh, to convict. That's highly unlikely in this uh, uh, Republican Senate. So uh, I do think that the the relationship between Pelosi and Trump is going to be one to watch, but it could sour very quickly. Based on that, as you look at impeachment and the possibility of it in the House of Representatives, what's the benchmark? What do you think reasonable Democrats will look at in the House and the Senate before proceeding with any impeachment inquiry? Well, you have to remember that uh, some members want to move forward with impeachment now. They've gone on record that impeachment proceedings should at least proceed on the House floor. Now, Republicans tabled that that measure, which was uh, proposed by Congressman Al Green. But so you have dozens of Democrats already on the records basically kind of saying, hey, listen, I've seen enough uh, as far as obstruction of justice and, and, and the president's discussions with Comey and trying to uh, protect Michael Flynn. I, I do think that for for most of the Democrats, they I mean, they don't want to be divided on this issue. There's going to have to be some some startling res- revelations from Robert Mueller that we haven't heard before, that haven't leaked out, uh, that are going to get most Democrats, if not all, on board with moving forward uh, with some type of impeachment proceedings. Because remember, there, there are a number of Democrats that are representing districts that Trump won. And if they move forward or they vote 
to impeach the president, well, that could hurt them in their 2020 reelection. Bob Cusack, who are the players? Who are the, the leading figures in Washington that you will be following most closely? Well, certainly the leadership is is very, very important. So the Nancy Pelosi's, the Mitch McConnell's, but the committee chairman, I mean, Jared Nadler, Democrat from New York, he's going to he he's the Judiciary Committee chairman. He's going to have a big role on impeachment if they move forward with impeachment. Uh, He is one to watch. Kevin McCarthy, I think, is going to be very interesting. Uh, He struggled to become and and failed to become speaker a while back. But now he's made a bit of a comeback. Uh, can he help Republicans win back the majority uh, by his actions and his campaigning over the next couple of years and become speaker ultimately in 2020 or beyond uh, 2020? Uh, those are – and also I think you have to look at Richard Neal as a uh, committee chairman, Ways and Means chairman, Democrat from Massachusetts, has massive jurisdiction on trade and health care and taxes. And that's the committee if they're going to repeal any of the – of the Trump tax cuts or try to, that's the committee it starts with. So I I think you have to look beyond the leadership and look to these committee chairmen uh, who are going to be holding a lot of both policymaking and moving bills, but also oversight of this Trump administration. That's where I think this White House, kind of like the Obama White House, didn't know exactly what was coming when you had the other party in control of the House. Some of these uh, oversight hearings where they're going to be grilling administration officials on a variety of factors from environmental to health care to immigration, it's going to be pretty tense. And a new set of rules for House Democrats put in place by Nancy Pelosi and Jim McGovern, Democrat of Massachusetts. What will that mean? It, it means that it, there's uh, there was a group called uh, the the problem solvers who basically said, listen, in order to get our vote as speaker, uh, Josh Gothheimer is a Democrat from New Jersey, represents a, a district that, that Trump won. He led it with Tom Reed, a Republican from New York, saying, listen, we need to have the House be run less like a dictatorship. So they proposed a number of rules changes that if you have uh, bipartisan support, you get a certain threshold. Well, then that will actually get a vote on the, on the House floor. You can't block things that are popular. So they did get some concessions uh, so that the Jim McGovern, the, the new Rules Committee chairman, and Nancy Pelosi are saying, listen, we're going we're gonna to offer more votes on amendments. Um, but at the same time, they still hold a lot of power. Uh, and even if you vote on something, sometimes you can you can get your your members to vote it down. Have you had a chance to look at the calendar for 2019 and, and get a sense of what it means in terms of the schedule for the House and the Senate? They're they they're scheduled to have a longer uh, summer break, and that uh, Steny Hoyer has said is to to spend time, have members spend time with their families. However, it's going to be pretty intense until the summer. Uh, usually before the State of the Union. If, uh, let's say, Republicans had controlled the House, well, they don't they really wouldn't have a busy time before the State of the Union. Well, but when the opposing party wins, that's a different story. So they're going to be hit hitting the ground running House Democrats. It's going to be pretty intense throughout the year. And unlike an election year, they're going to be here in the fall. They're going to be here uh, many days and I think a lot more days than they certainly were in in 2018. But to be fair, that's an election year where come October 1, they're home campaigning. I want to go back to something that you mentioned. It probably is one of the most often asked questions, and that's the issue of bipartisanship. Why is it so hard? Why is it so toxic in today's political environment? It's a great question. It's. I think there are a lot of factors, one of them being not too long ago, and I'm talking six to eight to ten years ago, after an election, um, 
the parties would say, okay, the campaigning's over. Now it's time to go to work. Let's work together. You don't hear that anymore. Uh, even after the 2012 election where Mitt Romney lost, John Boehner said uh, Obamacare is the, the law of the land and basically saying we're going to stop trying to get rid of it. And he was ostracized by the right for that. And then he, he tried to get rid of it, even though he knew President Obama was never going to sign that uh, bill into law. So I, I think now it's it's because the left and the right are so powerful and that you have to appease the base of both parties to get the nomination. Uh, remember when Mitt Romney won the nomination in 2012, uh, he went hard right on immigration. Um, that that appeals to the Republican base. Similarly, the left is also, they want college-free tuition. They want single-payer. They want a number of bills that probably don't have the votes to pass, but they're pushing very hard for it. So uh, that's why I think it, it's hard because there's no, there's no, the campaign never stops, especially when you're talking about presidential politics. Uh, and, and that's why I think you're going to see so many I think 30-plus Democrats get into the race. Wednesday's op-ed in the Washington Post by Mitt Romney, now the freshman senator from Utah. What was behind that? Surprising. This surprised me that he would come out of really nowhere and take shots at the president. They have had a very rocky relationship uh, where, remember, Trump did back Mitt Romney's Senate bid after trying to get Orrin Hatch to continue to uh, to, to rethink his decision to retire. Hatch uh, did retire, and, and Romney won. I just think that they, they are just very different people. And now, did I think that Romney, before he's even sworn in, would, would take a, a shot at the president? It's not going over well in Republican circles. And certainly there there are some, now this is raised speculation, will Mitt Romney uh, run for president in 2020? Uh, we wrote, uh, my colleague, uh, managing editor Ian Swanson, and I wrote a, wrote a column uh, a little while back saying, if anyone challenges Trump in a primary, usually that would weaken an incumbent president. When we talked to people, we came away with the conclusion it would actually strengthen Trump because Trump is so revered by the Republican base, is supported roughly 90 percent by Republican voters, so that he would probably, in all likelihood, crush anybody who challenged him. Um, now, there, now we, we still haven't seen what Robert Mueller has come up with. Maybe the party would, would – uh, or some of the party would desert uh, Trump if it was bad news. But right now, uh, this is this is going to be a drama uh, between Mitt Romney and, and Trump. And it's, it, I think it's going to be a, something to watch throughout 2019. Let's talk about uh, the two former Republican speakers. First, Paul Ryan. What's his legacy? His legacy, without a doubt, is the tax law. Uh, he was, it was something that <clears throat> he wanted to pass uh, for many years and finally had the opportunity – uh, and got it done. And really, if you look at if you look at the tax law, it, it, they did it in a relatively short amount of time. I think in some ways they were helped by the failure of health care because then they had to regroup and say, we must pass this, otherwise uh, the wrap the on us will be that we can't govern. So they got that done uh, about you know a year ago, right before Christmas in, in 2017. Um, <clears throat> that is without a doubt, I think, his legacy. Where he falls short is that he consistently said we need to get government spending under control, and it has gone in the opposite direction. And the deficit and debt are larger than they ever have been before. And, and honestly, the House Republicans didn't make it a priority uh, to, to really cut spending or to tackle entitlements. Part of the reason is, to the, to the disappointment of conservatives in the House, is that President Trump has no interest in tackling entitlement spending or cutting Medicare. Uh, certainly not 
before he goes uh, uh, before re-election in, in 2020. Some people think for some reason that Trump won't run in 2020. I, I'm not in that crowd. I think he's definitely running. I think he's he loves to campaign. And I think he's going to have a lot of fun in 2019 as, as these Democrats get into the race. But to that point, this Republican tax bill is not going to pay for itself, will it? Probably not. No. Then that's what Republicans say, that if, that the growth will spend, will, will pay for it in the long run. And I've interviewed Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. Listen, they've had some good, very good growth numbers so far uh, in, in 2018. Will it continue into 2019? The stock market's been volatile. It remains to be seen, um, but but it's in all likelihood is is this going to be paid for? No. Now the Affordable Care Act was technically paid for by Democrats, but there were a lot of gimmicks in there too. So uh, it, this is something that uh, is is has really it's increased the deficit, and it probably will continue to increase the debt and deficit going forward. And, of course, the previous House Speaker, John Boehner, who we learned uh, last year, is writing a book. And my guess is it will be an unvarnished look and maybe uh, some some <laughs> payback to those Tea Party members, those uh, House yeah. Freedom Caucus members. Yeah, I, it's a book that I'll read. Uh, it's it's going to be probably a very interesting book because he is not seeking uh, elective office again. He's retired. He, he's a good golfer. He's enjoying a good life and a good Merlot. And I, I think it will be very uh, interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see what he says about Speaker Ryan. He had a good relationship. He convinced Ryan to to succeed him as Speaker. Uh, but Ryan also said, "We're well, you know, it's a new era and things are going to change uh, in the House." And honestly, they really didn't. Uh, it was basically uh, business as usual in the House with a lot of closed rules and not a lot of votes on amendments. And and Ryan clearly had his his fill, and and that and that's why he decided to uh, to not continue in Congress. And we'll see where where will Ryan run for president or governor or Senate someday. I, I don't think he's quite done yet. And as you look at 2020, first with the Senate map, as difficult and challenging as it was for Senate Democrats in 2018, it's going to be the opposite for Senate Republicans facing a lot of races and some formidable challenges. Yes, it's, it's going to be a, uh, certainly tougher for Republicans than, than for Democrats. If you look at the map, and there are some states that that you look at Colorado, Cory Gardner is up for, for re-election. Um, in North Carolina, Republicans will have to defend uh, their seat there. Um, but I also don't think that there were some basically some sitting ducks uh, for, for the Democrats in red states. Uh, Joe Donnelly, uh, and and Claire McCaskill. I mean, they were just fighting uphill battles the whole time. Uh, now, some were able to survive, like Joe Manchin in West Virginia, but he embraced uh, President Trump. He voted for for Kavanaugh. I think if you look at the Republican map, certainly I think that the the favorite to re- retain the majority is still the Republicans because you have a lot of I think good incumbents that that are not in in states that are heavily Democratic. One to watch is Susan Collins in Maine. Uh, she obviously voted for Kavanaugh, so Democrats are, are going to uh, uh, target her if she runs for re-election. So uh, Republicans are certainly more on the defensive, um, but with their majority now, uh, however slight, I, I still think that uh, they're feeling pretty good about their majority going forward. And finally, 2020. Road to the White House already underway with candidates forming exploratory committees. We're going to hear from Julian Castro on January the 12th. Does all of this impact how Congress deals with some of the issues with an eye on Donald Trump and the 2020 presidential race? Yes, especially in the Senate. I mean, Chuck Schumer, the minority leader, he's got to balance the needs of, of his caucus, ranging from 
conservative Democrats like Joe Manchin uh, to Elizabeth Warren. I think he's done a pretty good job in that he is, he's brought them together. They actually both of them, both of those senators have served in, on his leadership team. Um, but then when you get deeper into the cycle where you're going to have some, you know, you could have six to eight senators who were campaigning and they may not be around for, for key votes. That's going to be a problem. And, and but the bigger problem is is the push uh, not to strike deals with uh, President Trump, uh, because on the campaign stump, I think it's going to be very easy to just say, let's fight Trump all the way. Uh, and, you know, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are legislators who want to get some stuff done. And if they have said, listen, we'll we'll strike deals if we agree with President Trump and if he agrees with us. Um, but uh, that, that's where I think it's going to be very difficult for Pelosi and Schumer to deal with that that pressure from the candidates and specifically the left wing of the party. Final question. If we were to sit here on January 1st, 2020, looking back at 2019, what do you think we'll be talking about? I think we'll be talking about uh, Robert Mueller and impeachment. Uh, when you when you when you talk about impeachment, it is something that is rarely done. Uh, certainly, there's been a lot of buildup. Republicans and Rudy Giuliani, President Trump's uh, attorney, is saying it's time to put up or shut up. Let's come up with the report. Let's get on with it. I just think one way or the other, uh, the the report is going to be one of the biggest things of 2019. Then the decision of what House Democrats do. Uh, and again, I just think it is inevitable that the left is going to say, listen, we're running the House. We should move forward with, with impeachment. Um, but I think Democratic leaders, including Nancy Pelosi, have been wise to say, Hold on a second. Let's wait till the report comes out. So I think when we're looking back, the biggest news event of the year is going to be Robert Mueller's report. Now, maybe it'll be, ah, there's not much new here. Um, but still, even that would be significant. And this report that he has to submit under the statute will likely become public. And so everyone will have a chance to read it. Uh, and, I, and I'm sure that both parties are going to see different things uh, from reading it. <laughs> Bob Cusack is the editor-in-chief of The Hill newspaper, and his work, along with his colleagues, available online at thehill.com. We appreciate you being with us. Thanks, Steve. And a reminder, you can download this podcast on the free C-SPAN radio app or wherever you download your favorite podcast. It's also available online anytime at cspan.org. Thank you for listening.